Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup in the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, a look at the week's news. It was a long weekend in China, with most people off Monday for the mid-autumn festival holiday. Investors could use the rest. China stocks went for a wild ride last week, with the benchmark index hitting its lowest level in years Monday, then rebounding with its best weekly performance since 2016. Concerns about the trade war and China's deleveraging campaign had pummeled markets, but optimism returned over expected government support for domestic consumption. Ada, markets were busy, but so were the corruption watchdogs. I'll run us through which officials fell afoul of the law of late. At the top of the list is Nur Bekri, Nur Baikali, director of the National Energy Administration and a vice chairman of the country's economic planning agency. He was placed under investigation for suspected corruption. Bekri, an ethnic Uyghur and a former governor of Xinjiang, western China, is suspected of, quote, severe disciplinary violations, close quote, the Central Commission for Discipline Inspection said without elaborating. Meanwhile, the former chairman of liquor maker Jianan stood trial for bribing an official and embezzling a fortune from the company in 2003. Chao Tianming said that the $56,000 he gave a former vice governor of Sichuan province was emblematic of how people showed gratitude at the time and was not meant as a bribe. Wang Xiaoguang, a former vice governor of Guizhou province in China's southwest, was expelled from the Communist Party and removed from public office, according to official statements. A, quote, obsession with orchids, as well as bribery and embezzlement, were among the problematic behaviors outlined by the CCDI. And finally, Zhang Xiaochun, China's longest-serving vice finance minister, was expelled from the Communist Party and removed from public office after coming under investigation in May. He's the third vice finance minister to face corruption allegations. China canceled plans over the weekend to hold trade talks with the U.S., including sending Vice Premier Liu He to Washington after U.S. President Donald Trump made good on his promise to levy additional tariffs on Chinese imports. 
A delegation from China had been due to travel to Washington, D.C. to prepare for Liu's trip, which now seems at best postponed, if not scrapped entirely, after Trump slapped tariffs of $200 billion worth of imports from China and threatened more if Beijing retaliated. On Monday, China imposed tariffs of $60 billion worth of U.S. goods. Executives of Bank of China's Guangdong branch may soon take a pay cut to compensate lower-income employees, reflecting growing pressure on traditional lenders, according to an internal document obtained by Caixin. The Guangdong branch of BOC, one of China's four big state lenders, for the first time set the minimum annual wage of employees at $14,600, US according to the document. The bank's executives will take a 10% reduction in their annual paychecks to compensate lower-income staff, the document said. Other bank officials, based on their levels, will take cuts of as much as 5%. Although on paper the pay cut is said to be voluntary, it is likely to be carried out as a mandate, according to people close to the bank. There is, quote, no way e-commerce giant Alibaba will be able to meet an earlier pledge to create 1 million U.S. jobs due to deteriorating U.S.-China trade relations, founder and chairman Jack Ma said. His ambitious plan, first announced at a landmark meeting with then-incoming U.S. President Donald Trump in early 2017, has become the latest casualty of a growing trade war between the two sides, initiated by Trump over accusations of unfair trade practices by China. The latest twist in that war saw the U.S. levy new tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese imports last week and China fire back with retaliatory tariffs on $60 billion worth of U.S. imports. Ma reflected on his earlier pledge in response to a question posed in a wide-ranging interview with Xinhua, China's official news agency, whose views often reflect those of central leaders in Beijing. He said his earlier pledge was based on friendly bilateral relations and rational and objective trade between the world's two largest economies. However, many observers had seen the ambitious pledge as unrealistic, even under good bilateral conditions. China plans to ban foreign TV shows in primetime and to limit overseas content on streaming platforms. The rules expand previous restrictions that have restricted access to foreign content to fight what the government calls, quote, negative influences on audiences. The new rules also ban foreign talent from making up more than a fifth of total talent in a Chinese TV drama. This includes writers, directors, actors, and other crew. Additionally, the writer and director cannot both be foreigners, nor can the leading actor and actress both be foreigners, Bloomberg reported. In its harshest crackdown on the movie industry in years, China's top film regulator has signaled it will ban companies from subsidizing online movie ticket sales. The authorities met with major movie theater chains last week to inform them of upcoming policy changes, including the prohibition of subsidies, several sources familiar with the matter told Caixin. Subsidizing Subsidizing moviegoers has been a common tactic to boost box office figures for years, leading to ticket prices often less than $2. The cash either came from online ticketing platforms or from distributors and producers keen to inflate box office numbers to impress investors. The practice has helped drive explosive growth of ticket sales in China, which overtook North American box office sales to lead the globe. The practice has helped drive explosive growth of ticket sales in China, which overtook North American box office sales to lead the globe earlier this year. 
China's tobacco sales returned to near-record highs three years after a significant hike in tobacco taxes in the world's largest producer and consumer of cigarettes. Experts attribute the country's rebounding tobacco consumption to rising consumer incomes and stagnant cigarette prices, calling for the government to further increase the tax on cigarettes to help reduce smoking. High-end cigarettes accounted for an increasingly larger share of sales, reflecting Chinese consumers' rising purchasing power, the data show. More than one out of four Chinese adults smokes, according to a survey conducted earlier this year by the World Health Organization. One reason, tobacco in China is cheap. The average retail price of cigarettes is less than $2 U.S. a pack. There are many cheaper brands on the market that sell for under $1. In the U.S., heavy taxes push cigarette prices to $6 to $8 a pack in most states and to more than $12 a pack in New York. Thanks, Ada. Let's turn on to David Kirtan, reporter for Caixin Global. So, David, you were out at Tianjin for the World Economic Forum's annual meeting of the new champions, or Summer Davos, as it's also known. Uh, I was also there. Uh, I guess I somehow missed you. Uh, lots of interesting stuff being talked about there. Li Keqiang spoke, um, a lot of tech-related conversations, as you might expect. Uh, but one of the interesting stories you covered was about the Belt and Road and its environmental impact, uh, how to green the Belt and Road, as it were, right? Yeah, so there was a lot of uh, interesting debate among um, both academics, journalists, uh, and also um, bosses from state-owned enterprises about just what sort of responsibility China has to try and promote green infrastructure along the Belt and Road. Primarily, it's about building up that connectivity along countries that have you know, traditionally lacked levels of infrastructure that they might need to boost their growth. But what was really interesting about that debate is that it's gone from being one of those countries that previously looked at the developed world and said, you know, you had your breakneck growth that caused environmental damage yourselves a couple of years ago, so don't criticize us, to saying, well, now China is actually leading a lot of the development of this green technology. Do we have a responsibility to promote that among countries that want to emulate what we did over the last 40 years? So is China just talking the talk, or is there some walking of walk going on as well here? Uh, and, and how do you see this playing out? Yeah, it's hard to say always what's going on the ground in those countries, but at least um, the rhetoric of it is that China did genuinely make some, not mistakes, but you know, problematic environmental uh, damage to itself during that development, and there's no need for those countries to repeat it. So uh, what was interesting is a lot of the uh, big bosses for state-owned enterprises were talking about, in terms of the reputational damage alone of going in and causing environmental damage, it's not worth it for them to pursue just breakneck economic or in infrastructure development for its own sake. It's better for them in order to be getting more business and building trust along the Belt and Road to uh, be seen to be supporting local communities, caring about biodiversity, all that sort of thing. So the debate was um, perhaps more broad than you'd expect from the, the coverage you'd get. Another interesting point is that it's all very good and well to be debating what sort of engagement China needs to have. But Isabel Hilton, the, the CEO of an environmental website called China Dialogue, pointed out that if we're going to have any chance of uh, avoiding catastrophic climate change, um, China needs to push those uh, green technologies it's been developing and pioneering in the last couple of years and really insist on those being used. Otherwise, if those countries that, you know, along the Belt and Road have a combined population of three times that of China's, there's absolutely no chance we can keep anywhere below two degrees of global warming in the next century. 
Finally, China is famous for telling other countries not to interfere in its internal affairs. But how will it now turn around and tell these other countries how they should be managing development internally? Yeah, I think that was、uh, came across as a real challenge for a lot of the Chinese policymakers and、uh, big state-owned enterprises.、Um, I think the the general push was that. There's only so much China can do in in telling countries how to develop it. Also, a lot of these leaders are aware it would be somewhat hypocritical for them to say otherwise. But、um, the consensus seemed to be that China needs to do all it can to try to encourage and make the case for a lot of the greener infrastructure actually being、uh, more sounder economically in the long term. I mean, costs have come down substantially for solar and hydropower and other forms compared to say coal plants, and so. It seems that China is looking to take a more responsible role without, you know, trying to play the bully. Thanks, David. Sure, Kaiser. And that's this week's show. Thanks for listening. The Taishin Seneca Business Brief is powered by Sub China and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown, with stories from the staff of Taishin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Taishin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Check out the outstanding Pan Daily Tech Buzz China, as well as our flagship current affairs show Sinica, and be sure to follow the news from China every day at SubChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.